Good morning. Anyone who's ever had trouble sleeping at night can speak about the difficulty of staying awake during the day. At work or a family gathering or even during a long-winded sermon when the preacher doesn't know to leave well enough alone. But if you promise to try to keep your eyes open this morning, I'll try not to talk too long and you can get home for a turkey lunch, I suppose, and a nap. I know that often, by the time we get to Sunday morning, we're so tired and worn out by the demands of everyday life and the workaday routine that getting to church at 8 or even 10.30 can seem and certainly feel like an insurmountable task. You've got to set the alarm, wake up and have your shower and make it through the church doors all before the choir starts singing. And then, of course, there's the colder weather and the dark mornings this time of year. All these things can certainly seem as though they're the work of the devil himself, conspiring to keep us away from church, the gospel, and each other. But here we all are, together again on another Sunday. This one, the first of Advent. You've probably noticed that it's not just church people that can seem a little grumpy this time of year. It's everybody. People start thinking about the approaching Christmas holiday and all the demands that places on time energy, emotions, and finances. Crime statistics tend to spike this time of year. As human beings, we might feel lonely because we're separated or estranged from family and friends. My own mother passed away on the first Sunday of Advent in 2020, and we lost my father-in-law just last Christmas. So I can certainly say I know how serious these holiday blues can be. Americans start worrying and, yes, even losing sleep about having trouble paying the extra heating bills that come with winter, or that there isn't enough money to do that, or they, to buy gifts and a tree and lights for the house and all the million other things that the secular commercial world tells us are vital to being good consumers this time of year. Let's face it, the pressure to keep up with the Joneses can be even more oppressive during the holidays. So this all really ties into this morning's gospel reading from Matthew in an interesting way. We might miss it on first read, I did, but the author of Matthew is giving us a message and a lesson here which is just about as countercultural as it can be. In the Matthean gospel, Jesus isn't telling us to get more stressful jobs and make more money. He's not telling us to buy the 25,000 tree lights to outshine the decorations of the people next door or to spend a fortune on the newest car or to add on to our homes so we can have more room to acquire more stuff. He's most certainly giving us very important instructions here, but for what? If it's not the best advice for winning friends and influencing people that we would find in Forbes or Money Magazine, then what exactly is our Savior telling us? Like any other passage of Scripture, the lenses we use to read God's Word play a huge part and as is often the case, those lenses that can help us focus come from other places in Holy Scripture. Here we might find a bit of assistance in the Gospel of John. In John's 17th chapter and 11th verse, we are told to be in the world, but not of the world. And that seems to offer us a clue as to the meaning of the Gospel from this morning. We live on this big spinning ball of a planet in the 21st century with all its demands and money 
and corporate interests, and there isn't a whole lot we can do about it. So what does Jesus mean in Matthew when he tells us to always be ready for his return? After all, we have our hands full with keeping the lights on and the bellies full. While it may be true that Jesus hasn't returned yet, there's another truth which is perhaps even more important. As Christians, we tend to fall into the trap of thinking that the kingdom of God is a kind of plane of existence we only experience in heaven as we bask in the complete presence of God for all eternity. But if we really think and even pray about that perception, we come to realize how short-sighted it can prove to be. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are already in the kingdom of God. After all, he made the world and all its inhabitants, so it only stands to reason that it's his. So when it seems as though Jesus is telling us to always be ready for his return, as though this life is only a waiting room for heaven and our appointment to meet him face to face, he's really doing something quite different something quite countercultural, something which is revolutionary. Just because the return of the Lord may happen at some far off and as yet unknown point in the course of human events, that doesn't mean we should sit on our hands, even if it is the season of Advent and waiting. Speaking of hands, it was St. Teresa of Avila that said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. And this is where that revolutionary, countercultural way of thinking comes in. Doing and being uh, that, I, that I mentioned comes into play, pardon me. I firmly believe that when it comes to our fellow human beings, God wants us to pray for them and then do something. We aren't meant simply to say, this will all be better in heaven or in the next life we won't have to worry about this and then stand idly by when it comes to the well-being of others and the care and love it takes for them to achieve it. This is God's kingdom in the here and now and we are God's servants in that kingdom with all that entails. This season reminds us that the birth of Christ, which the world awaited more than 2,000 years ago, ushered in a completely new age. It is undeniably true that the time of Advent is, by church reckoning, asking us all to call to mind and celebrate the coming birth of Christ and the time of waiting for his eventual, eventual glorious return. But it is equally true that, this, that it is asking us to remember that the coming of the infant Jesus two millennia ago opened the door to a new way of serving others, of coming alongside those on the margins and struggling with them, with them as they themselves struggle for compassion, equity, and justice. Not only do we know when the return of Jesus will take place, we aren't, do we not know when the return of Jesus will take place? We aren't meant to know. It could be before the end of this morning's service. Maybe it will be during coffee hour or sometime next week or next month or maybe another 2,000 years from now. We don't know. And this morning's gospel tells us, moreover, not to concern ourselves with when, but only to serve and tend to and love all God's children in the meantime. But don't just sit there 
do something, we're told. Feed the hungry, tend the sick, clothe the naked, visit the prisoner, comfort the suffering addict, wipe the tears from the eyes of a lost child, love others as fiercely as you love yourself, as fiercely as God loves us. And because he did love us, we know what, we, what he knew then. There is always something to do, always a new way to help him in the building, and always a revolution to be had. So remember to be God's hands and feet. Remember to serve. Remember to love. After all, all we're doing is waiting. So we've got time, even if it may not always feel like it. After all, all we have to do is stop running after the Joneses. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.